welcome back, and thank you for listening to the Campbell Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Budrovich. On this episode, we sit down with the head honcho in Ronnie Fisher, who talks about his start in the coaching world. Believe it or not, he never played organized college basketball. He was a manager at Furman and got an opportunity starting his career all the way back in 1990. 30 years later, he'll be the first to admit it, I think that was a pretty good decision to go into the coaching world. With Ronnie, we chat about his family and the role of being both a parent on the court and taking care of his three kids back at home. We also chat with Ronnie about some pregame rituals that he has acquired over all these years and what he's learned from the Presbyterian head coach and an icon in this conference in Greg Nybert. Since Ronnie is now four years in to his full coaching tenure at Campbell, we sit down and talk about some of the goals he's had for this program and what his team's accomplished over the last four seasons. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with the current head coach of Campbell women's basketball in Ronnie Fisher. It was definitely a plan to be a coach, but I didn't know what level exactly. And, uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, Butch Estes was the head basketball coach at Furman, and I was actually headed probably to North Carolina just to go to school to be a student. And I went down to Furman and met with him one day, and he, he told me that if I would come work with them in their program, that he would give me a graduate assistant job when I graduated. And uh, he knew I wanted to coach, and that was my passion. And uh, so I, I became a manager for their program, and uh, it really was neat because he allowed me to do some things. I was in every huddle with the coaches during timeouts and at halftime, and he really gave me some leeway because he knew that I wanted to coach. So uh, really thankful for that. And then after I graduated, he was good to his word, and he gave me that graduate assistant job. So I didn't know what level I wanted to coach at, but I definitely knew I wanted to coach basketball. When you think of historic conferences, the Southern Conference, and especially in its infancy with all these ACC schools and, and even now with, with the Greensboros and the Furmans and the, the Waffords of the world, there's a lot of history to that conference. Did you get a, a sense of that, or did you kind of notice that when you were uh, both as a student and then as a GA for the program? Uh, yeah, it was an amazing conference. Uh, I think, you know, I was at a school in Furman that, where we won a national championship in football and uh, the Southern Conference at that time was really strong in all sports, but especially football and basketball. And I, I know uh, Marshall Marshall was probably the best program in the league during that time that I was there from a basketball standpoint. They had an amazing program, and playing there was <laughs> – it was crazy. Uh, they had the craziest fans I've ever seen. But, you know, UT Chattanooga it was really strong. And Davidson at the time was probably our biggest rival at Furman. So you're talking, I just mentioned an app state as well. I just mentioned what four programs that aren't even in that league anymore. And uh, Georgia Southern, the same, the same Georgia Southern football wise was just really, really strong. So it was a great, a great, um, had a great history and it looks a little different then that it does now, but uh, it was a great, uh, had a great opportunity to see some great athletic events while I was in college. Absolutely. And one of the first real big coaching decisions you made was to go into the high school level and become a head coach. So to provide some context for this, you're, you're 25 years old. You know, this is all the way back in 93. So 
just to date us a little bit here, I was just born that year, but just early in your <laughs> coaching tenure. And, and here you are moving down uh, to Conway, South Carolina, to be a high school head coach. How excited were you for that opportunity to, to jump right in? Well, thank you first, Devin, for making me feel real old. I appreciate that, but that's all right. Uh, no, uh, I was uh, I had been an assistant with Coach Nybert at at Presbyterian College, and it was it was a basically a volunteer assistant, and and things worked a little different back back in the day. You, the first job you got was usually a non paid job, and uh, you found a way to to scrape by just so you could coach. That's the way you got into the business. And and I loved every minute. I was there for three years, basically in that um, setting at PC. But then uh, Julie and I had met and, and we decided to get married and I needed to make some money to just support my family. And uh, I liked the high school route and I was excited and I was very fortunate to get a high school job down at uh Conway High School. Chuck Jordan was a great athletic director, and he hired me down there. He took a chance on a, a 25-year-old uh, kid, basically, in a very tough school. Uh, but I loved my four years there, and uh, I loved the high school level. It was it was a lot of fun. It's a little different than the college level, uh, but challenging, and you really get to make an impact, and I love that. Well, to make you feel better, Ronnie, you were the youngest uh, head coach of your division at that time when you were hired. So I just want to make sure to remind people that. And and two, you, you took a team that only had two or three wins and, and you, you put up 17 in that first year. That must be a just an overwhelming, almost an addictive feeling to, to see that progress right away. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it, it, the players that were there when I got the job, they really bought in. I, I was really passionate too. I was a little crazy when I was young too, but uh, – they really bought in and they worked hard and we had a lot of success and it was just a great four years. Uh, and heck, Julie and I, we didn't have kids yet and we were living down near the beach and, uh, we were living off of two teaching salaries and thought we were rich. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a great four years and, uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, one of the hidden aspects of your relationship with Julie is she was quite a basketball player at Charleston Southern. And I know you were a student manager, so you were around the game, and, and you know, you got a chance to get some shots up. If you two, in your prime, we'll go back to, you know, the early 90s, we're, we're playing a pickup game. How does it all break down between Ronnie and Julie Fisher? <laughs> well, what's crazy is I really think Julie is more competitive than I am. She is one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. So we, we, it didn't matter if we're playing horse or one on one or whatever. She, she wanted to win. Uh, but, uh, uh, she shot the ball. She shoots the ball really good. She probably could outshoot me, but we play one on one. I got her there. So, uh, but you don't want to play horse with her. I was going to say, I know you set a mean screen because I've seen you in practice really get your feet set and, <laughs> you know, a little pick and roll. But, you know, I, I tell you, it, it's just neat to hear the stories and, and I'm, I'm glad. You touched on that. Was it as being a high school coach, and, and especially as you're just getting started back at, at PC a few years later, was what's that challenge like of trying to start a family and, and work, as you were saying, these these low-paying jobs and just trying to manage it all early in your career? Well, the high school level was awesome. I, I think you, you really have a chance to impact um, younger kids, obviously, uh, when they're, when they're really in an important stage in their life, and I love that part of it. Uh, it's difficult because as a basketball coach and that's your passion, you know, you're spending 
eight hours a day or whatever in a classroom or working with academics. And then you got a two hour window that you do all your coaching and, and, uh, it's just tough. And it, uh, you know, when you do it right, you spend a ton of time coaching as well, obviously at the high school level or college level. And, uh, it's just the, the importance with, um, the, the, the players, you know, they don't take it quite as serious as they do at college and, and not every player is going to be a college player. And, and, uh, you know, I, I really love the high school level, but I like spending, I like spending all day preparing and coaching and instead of just, you know, a couple hours after school. And, uh, so I, I really enjoy the bulk of what I'm doing right now because it's all basketball. And, uh, that, the, you know, there's an importance that's carried with that, that you kind of don't get the high school level always some situations you do, but a lot you don't. And that's why I think, you know, most when I was in South Carolina, most football coaches at high school, they didn't have to teach because there was an importance with the football coach that, that you didn't have with the basketball coach. And that's a little while ago. Uh, but I, you know, it's a little different when you're in a classroom for, the whole day and then you're trying to prepare and do lesson plans and be a great teacher and build a program it's a little difficult you know we hadn't touched on this before but you got your degree in in phys ed was pe was that kind of the course you taught or what did you uh teach during the day yeah that's funny i never had never taught uh physical education i actually i taught driver education for four years when i was down at conway and uh it was awesome you know, really feel like you, you're teaching something that can save a life. And our, our kids took it seriously because I told them, if you don't take it seriously, I'm not riding with you. And if you're, if you're a discipline problem, I'm not, I'm not getting in a car with you. So I didn't have any discipline problems. Uh, but then I also taught science for uh, three years when I was in Greenville. And that's a little tougher to prepare for, but I, I've actually never taught physical education. Gosh, I, I could just see you with a whistle, you know, in your mouth. And if a kid <laughs> hit the gas too fast or didn't signal the right turn before getting to a certain spot, you could just start calling them out and drawing it up on the whiteboard. Yeah, well, I, I stayed on my break that I had on my side, that's for sure. Oh, that's that's great, Ronnie. So you work a couple of years at, at multiple high schools, like you had mentioned, and, and then opportunities pop up. And, you know, a man who's so influential in your life, Greg Nybert, gives you another call and wants to – bring you back to Presbyterian and really be a part of, of his staff. How influential was he both as a mentor and as someone who could kind of guide you through the whole coaching process early in your career? Yeah, he was, you know, when you talk about men in my life, my dad uh, obviously was huge and an unbelievable influence and my brother as well. He's four years older than me, but outside of those two, uh, Coach Niver is definitely the biggest influence I've had in my life. And, uh, he, um, you know, he, he, he brought me back as his top assistant. And I think that was 2000, I think. And, uh, and I learned so much from him all, even before that, because he was an assistant at Furman when I was in college. And then I worked with him for three years at PC and then boom, came back. But he, he taught me so much about basketball, but more importantly, he taught me about life and how to, how to be successful, and uh, really taught me the value of hard work. And he taught me the value of doing what you say you're going to do. And those are two things that sound simple. Uh, but uh, those are two, two major, major important values. And uh, he was a man of his word. And, and um, he, he held me accountable. 
which was big for me as a young assistant. And I'm so appreciative to what he did. And he taught me how to work hard and he taught me how, uh, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And those are just two kind of pillars of my life that I've tried to hold to. And I owe a lot of that to him because he was a a great influence in, in those areas. You know, it's fascinating because we got a chance to really meet and interact with Greg Nybert later in his PC career, but sort of as I was getting started at Campbell uh, on the men's side and, and just seeing the discipline that his players had and, and how much they respected him, especially with a lot of the, the fostering of young children in the community and helping set up some organizations in that area. That was such a big part of his role. And, and, and I'm curious how that maybe applies to you just in terms of really investing not only in your players, but in your community and also kind of in being a part of whether you're in Clinton or, or Conway or, you know, now here in the Creek of being all inclusive to your environment. Yeah, that's a, a great point. And, and, uh, that goes back to, he taught me a lot more than just basketball. And he, he was an amazing coach. He's the best coach I've ever been around or ever coached with, obviously. But, uh, his faith, his faith led him to have a servant's heart for others. And, and, uh, that's something I, I hope someday I'm even close to where he is from that standpoint. But uh, the, the work he's done with foster children, his, his, him and his wife has, has been amazing. And, and literally as a coach, you're able to put that into the lives of every player you coach. And uh, sometimes it's tough because players just like my kids at home sometimes don't you're doing what's best for them, but they don't realize that. And, uh, he, and that's something as a coach that's tough, uh, because everybody wants to be liked by their players, but more importantly is preparing them for life. And, uh, like, like I talked about the accountability piece and, and, and just, uh, just teaching kids to be disciplined in what they do and knowing that that's going to help them, uh, when they get a job, when they get out and, and Coach Nybert, I, I learned a lot from him in that aspect, and and uh, it's really neat. He he spoke of the same thing when he was coaching, and and even now I have players that come back to me, you know, five and six and eight years after they graduated, saying, "Hey, Coach, I really really appreciate what you did when I was going through it. I didn't really like it and and didn't appreciate it, but now I really do, and that that's what you're in it for, and, and to to make an impact on a on a you know, a 18 to 22 year old that down the road can help them somehow in life. And, uh, coach Nybert was the absolute best at that. And hopefully, uh, I'm, I've learned some things from him and, and hopefully can make that impact on some other kids right now. It, it's fascinating as well, because, you know, now thinking about your coaching career, which spans at least 25, if not close to 30 years now, do you look back on on some of those early days at, at Presbyterian when when Nybert took a chance on a you know a student manager and and gave him a role and thinking oh gosh now here I am in in 2020 which has been a crazy year but you know one that had so much success early on and, and thinking man just think about the impact I've had in in 30 some odd years in the coaching world yeah no doubt no doubt and uh, just like you said he took a chance on me and he gave me that opportunity and without that who knows where I would be and. Uh, I've told him many times and how appreciative I am toward him. And, and more importantly than giving me that job is he, he, like I said, he taught me, uh, he ta- taught me how to be a leader and he taught me how to impact others lives. And he taught me the things that were very important. 
And he also, he didn't lead me down paths that were wrong. He made great decisions. He had a great marriage. He, he had a great life outside of basketball. And he taught me that those were the most important things. And I'm so thankful that I was able to work. I think I worked with him for 13 years, if I'm not mistaken, with someone that, that was a great influence and, and someone that did make good decisions and uh, how different things may have been that I've been with someone else. And, and I'm really, really appreciative to him toward all he's done. I'm always fascinated by the next step in your career because it's one that you almost hear in, in movies or in these crazy scenarios. But all of a sudden, Presbyterian, you know, you were the associate head coach on the men's side and opportunities open up. And as they're transitioning to Division One, you, you get offered the job as the women's head coach. What was that conversation like? And did, did you and Julie kind of sit down and talk about it or how it all unfold for you? Yeah, it, it wasn't something that I'd ever, like, uh, had as a goal uh, to be a, a women's coach or anything like that. It kind of goes back to one of your first questions. Like, I didn't know what level I wanted to coach. I just love the game and I love people. And uh, I, I, I liked – I wanted to be a high school coach when I went to Conway, and I never – I thought I may never go back to college and I was fine with that. Um, but when the women's job opened up at PC, I knew that I wanted to be a head coach and I thought I was to the point in my career that I could do that and be successful with it. And I loved what PC was all about. I loved the, the athletic program. I loved the town of Clinton and, and, uh, it was very comfortable for me and my family. And, uh, w- when you have a daughter, you know, you're, you're, your world outlook changes too. Uh, you know, I, I was in a family. I only had a brother. I had no sisters. And then I have a daughter and I start looking at athletics totally different. And, uh, I, I, when that job came open, I talked with several people on the, that had made the transition and everything I heard was positive. So I was really excited about that opportunity. And also the program, um, it was in a stage where it, it, it could be built and uh, it needed someone that could come in and really build it because it was, it wasn't in the greatest shape at that time. So all those things really played into it. And, and my family really loved that community and wanted to be a part of the school and, and thought we could build a program. And I really, I'm so glad I made that move. I really enjoyed coaching women. And, and so it, it's turned out really well. That's a great point. It certainly has. And we've seen it this last decade. I want to touch on to your relationship as a coach with your players and then kind of building off that with your kids because you have three kids, two sons, and your daughter, Sydney, like you were mentioning. Does As you're going through that as a, a parent to your three kids and you're, you're growing up with them and learning things and experiencing things with them, how, how valuable is managing some of those experiences with also you're working with high school kids, you're working with college kids, and you're kind of seeing them go through similar situations if they're, you know, men or women at that point in college. And, and how do you manage all that intertwined together? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I, th- I do think that uh, being a parent is so helpful in coaching and and because every every family goes through things with kids at different stages in their lives and I've been blessed. We've got an amazing wife and three amazing kids. And I do build off of those experiences as I coach my team. And I've always said this. I try to, I try to really treat my players just like they were my kids and they are my family. And, and uh, 
I tell them all the time, that's good for you and that's bad for you uh, because it's good for you because I love my kids and I do anything in the world for them. Uh, but it's bad for you because I expect them to be special and, and I'm going to hold them accountable and, and to a higher level than, than, than sometimes they want to be held to. And uh, so uh, I've really looked at the opportunity of coaching these young women of just like uh, parenting my kids, basically. And, and it's not exactly the same, but uh, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I have to make sure I do a great job of is when a parent drops their kid off for college and says, hey, you're going to be their coach and you're going to take care of them. I take that responsibility really, really heavy. And uh, I've got to make decisions that their own parents would make for them and try to make sure that that I'm preparing them for life after basketball and after college. So I take that responsibility really, uh, really to heart. And uh, I, I think deeply about every decision I make, just like we're my own child. And uh, I think that's a good thing. But uh, like I said, I, maybe not always for the player. That's a great perspective with it because it's it's funny now with, with your son Harrison finishing up school. He was at PC for a long time and, you know, Sydney just starting school. It sort of feels like you get the best of both worlds kind of experiencing these college kids for 20 years and now it's, okay, now I know what to do with, with my own kids or, you know, kind of that back and forth all unfolds. Yeah, I don't know if there's any perfect training tool or anything like that, but I, I love being around kids and I love being an influence on them. And, uh, you know, uh, and my own kids at home, I love them. I love our players and just the opportunity to do what I do. Uh, it's really neat. And, uh, there are a lot of good jobs out there, but I can't imagine one better than being around 18 to 22 year olds and, 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 and getting to live life with, beside them. And, and also with our staff, they're amazing too, but I, I've got a great job. Ronnie, coaches, and this is across the board, coaches are, are very, uh, a little OCD to a certain extent. They're very disciplined. They're detail-oriented. When you think of your life outside of, of sports, are, are there areas, whether it's hobbies or activities, where you take that, that same mindset and that applies into your, your regular day-to-day? -day? Or is it easy to kind of detach from that coach's mindset? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I think it's totally different when I leave the office. Uh, I'm not, I'm probably not nearly as disciplined in a lot of areas of my life as I need to be. Uh, but I'm probably a lot more disciplined when I come to work every day and what we're doing. <laughs> and, uh, those, those areas I need to work on, obviously. Uh, but you know, my, our family, the, the thing that is so important to us is our faith and, and just the discipline of, of, of really trying to um, live a life that be pleasing to Christ, that's important to us. So I try to be disciplined in that area. And, and our, our, you know, we're, we're in church a good bit, and, and we take that very serious. And outside of that, I don't know. We, we're a fun-loving family. Uh, I do play a little golf, and, and, and uh, I can't stand playing sometimes because I can't play enough to get to the level I want to compete at. So uh, I, I might get a little uh, – a little too disciplined in that area, I guess. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because Harrison, he, he played at, at Presbyterian on the golf team, and I see you out there at Keith Hills all the time. So, 
I, I, I was just curious, you know, are, are you one of those guys on a golf course who, you know, sits there and evaluates every grip and, and watches 100 <laughs> YouTube videos and, and then watches the tape and, and, you know, just that, that whole nature of it just in your day to day? I tell you, I, I'm not. I, I really, I, the thing I like best, I love going out to Keith Hills and I love hitting a, a bucket of balls. And that's about as, I, I love playing golf with my son. And if we, when we get a chance or, or Harrison, and I got Jake out there some too now. I like doing that. But if it's just me and myself, I'm not going to spend four hours. I'm going to go out and hit a bucket of balls for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Uh, but I love, I love that. I love the repetition of doing that. And uh, that's, as, that's as fun to me sometimes as going out and playing around. Ronnie, so I want to take you a little forward to your start of your Campbell career because we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Your experience, not only interviewing for the job, but your first unofficial day when you're there for the press conference was a very unique experience because you flew in on a charter plane from from Clinton to, to, to Campbell, you know, the Bowie's Creek Airport right there. And take me through a little bit that whole day and the process of getting the family up and getting them ready and, you know, getting into one town, doing the interviews and, and the whole the ordeal that whole day. Yeah, it was really a, an awesome day, a crazy day. Uh, I actually, uh, it was tough from, in one sense because I had to tell my team at Presbyterian that I was leaving. And uh, I love those kids. They were absolutely amazing. And uh, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, to be honest. And then I leave that meeting and go directly and get on a uh, a, a little charter plane there, and this is awesome because Jake and Julia are with me, and Jake loved that that flight, and uh, and then preparing to come here and meet our team here, and 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 go through the press conference and everything. Uh, it was a lot for that one day, but it was awesome, and uh, just just having the opportunity to come to this school and this university and. Uh, Really, Bob Roller and, and Dr. Creed, the, the confidence they had in me and the vision they had for athletics in, in our program was so it was so exciting, and, and uh, it still is today. And uh, so I, I, it was a, it was a whirlwind type of a day, but it was awesome. And and I look back on it, and I've got a picture in my office of the press conference, and uh, you know, Bob. He said, he said, we just put something little together for you. First, he's all he told me he didn't know if we we're going to have a press conference. He says, oh, we put a little something together for you. And then I get there, and it's a full-blown press conference. And just uh, all the people from the community that came and, and uh, uh, typical in Bob Roller fashion, it was it was very, very nice. And uh, But I, I loved it, and I loved it then, and I love being here now, and, and uh, it was a great decision. As you and I both know, there was no simple ordeal with Bob Roller, and I think that really uh, <laughs> capitalizes on the whole story there. Um, Ronnie, something unique about you that many people may not know is um, the night before games, a lot of times we'll stop at restaurants, and you know that'll be a little different this year, obviously, but stopping at restaurants and getting food, and your go-to meal, it's a traditional American meal, an eight-ounce steak and a, a baked potato or mashed potatoes, kind of depends, <laughs> but it, it just take me through a little bit. Is that a discipline thing? Is that just a, you know what, I grew up on steak and I got to have one every night or how's that unfold for you? You know, what's crazy is I very, very rarely eat steak period throughout the year, unless it's like uh, the day before a game or whatever. And it, I think it goes back to our years at PC where that's, that's what we did. We, we, uh, our pregame meal, which you, you probably shouldn't do nowadays, but our pregame meal would be a, 
eight ounce sirloin or whatever with baked potato, green beans, and bread. I mean, that's what we did every every pregame meal. And I don't know, it's maybe it's a little just a little bit from from our background there, but I do enjoy that steak uh, on the road. I, my wife and I were laughing. We never grill out steaks, and we never go out to a steakhouse unless we're with the basketball team. So that's interesting. You picked up on that, Evan. Well, you know, it's it, it's unique, and 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 I, and I always appreciate learning random things about people. Um, Ronnie, one of the things that you were very well known for is not only a disciplined team, but a, a team that seems very invested in, in themselves and then kind of uh, back and forth with the coaching staff. How do you build that dynamic with a group of girls and, and with your, your staff? And how does that all come together? Um, a biblical passage is, is when you work, you should work as to the glory of God. And and I take that very serious. And, and, uh, when we work, we're going to give our very utmost effort in everything we do. And, uh, we're going to try to treat people like we want to be treated real simple. And, and, and I've been very fortunate. Uh, first of all, when I came to Campbell, coach Watkins had recruited some unbelievable players and unbelievable people. And we've, we've been able to build on that and do the same thing. And, and just a lot of great people in our program, and an unbelievable coaching staff that has bought into the same things. And uh, when we work, we want to really get after it and give our best effort. And, and it's, it's, it's creating an atmosphere of like the person sitting beside you is more important than yourself. And that's what we're trying to get at. And our staff has really bought into that. They're amazing. And, uh, they're so, they're so, um, selfless in how they prepare and how they treat each other. And I think it, it flows right down to our team and we've had great captains and leadership that have bought into that. And, and that's what we're going to try to continue to do. But I, I think it's just something from a leadership standpoint that, that that's, that's who we are. And I, I tell every recruit that, and I tell every kid when they walk on campus, that's who we're going to be. And if you want to be a part of this program, that's what we're going to do. And in the recruiting process, I think it probably weeds out the players that maybe are a little more selfish that that's not what they're in it for. They're not going to come here. And, and uh, so we've been able to, to, to get some really good players that, that have bought into that in a staff. And it's fun to be a part of a group like that. You've mentioned how involved you are with interacting with recruits and kind of laying out these these guidelines of your program. Are, are there sort of pillars of a Ronnie Fisher program that you like to kind of keep uh, year to year and, and make sure those translate to your players? Well, yeah, I think so. And, and uh, I think they're pillars from a, a standpoint of how we treat each other and, and, and being totally honest with each other. And, and just some basic things of responsibility. Uh, and, and if I had one word to probably that to describe how we want to be, it would be unselfish. And uh, that that's huge. That's a pillar of our program that it's not about any one player or any one coach. Uh, this, this is funny, Evan. I, I don't even like it when you say a Ronnie Fisher program. That drives me nuts, by the way. Still in it. That's okay. That's okay because I, it's not about me. It's not my my program. It's it's Campbell women's basketball, and every player and every coach comes into that has to buy into that. And uh, so the, I'd say the number one pillar of our program is unselfishness, and then the second pillar of our program, and this goes not to how you treat each other, but is simply just hard work and and understanding uh, that 
you're going to be asked to go above and beyond what most people are doing if you come here. And uh, my, my mom, she used to always say that success is accompanied by sweat. And I, I've kept that saying my whole life. And, and we're going to try to be successful by outworking people. And I think if you can get a, a mindset where kids will work hard and a mindset where they're unselfish and they're thinking about their teammate, if you can create that, that atmosphere that you got a chance to be successful and, and you got to get the right pieces and the right people that buy into those things. And they're easy to say on paper, but they're a little harder to do uh, when you're trying to build a program. I think we've definitely seen that unfold uh, over the last four years at Campbell for sure. And, and over a long period in, in your coaching career. So, so Ronnie, you've gotten to a point now where you not only have, have taken, like you mentioned, kids that Coach Watkins recruited, developed them, and you know brought in your own kids, and we've seen the last few years a kind of a steady rise with not only success but just consistency. How do you feel just sort of about this four-year run from a, from a program standpoint, if you will, and what you've, you and the staff have been able to accomplish to this point? Yeah, I've been um... – it's been an amazing journey. You know, it's been, it's been really fun. Uh, and not just the wins and losses, but the relationships. And, and I really feel like our players have really bought into those two things I just mentioned. And that's how, that's my number one way of kind of measuring success is do you have a, do you have an unselfish program where players and coaches care about each other and do you get the most out of them from a work ethic standpoint? And I, I think we've done that, and that's been it's been awesome. And not not that I think our players have really bought in, and that's what they want. And I think that's it's it's not my program or my culture. It's the team makes the culture, not the head coach. And and uh, so I I love the culture of our program that our our players have created, and uh, the success that we've had. Uh, and wins and losses has been awesome too. Uh, from the first season of uh, winning 21 games, I think, and and having a chance to win a championship and, and missing a last second shot when you're picked eighth in the league, that's a lot of fun. And and it's a feeling of accomplishment of what that team did. And I think we built off that first year every year, and uh, you know, and culminating this year in a chance to finally hang a banner. And uh, really so proud of our players for what it takes to win a championship. And, and especially, like I said, we, we didn't really have any stars. It was a very unselfish team that, that put each other first and we found a way to win. And uh, so I, 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 I've loved the journey. I've loved the success we've had. And uh, I just, you know, our goal is to continue getting better and to take that next step. And uh, when you've had sustained success, sometimes taking that next step is hard because you get a little complacent. And uh, our goal and my goal as a head coach is to make sure our players aren't complacent and our coaches aren't complacent, that we're moving, that we're climbing and, and obviously not, not headed the other direction. There are some neat moments in these last four years, just from a outside of the program looking in. And, and I want to, talk to you about um, the, the service trip you had a couple years ago uh, over the summer to the Dominican Republic because there was a great mix of community engagement and, and obviously some basketball, but also culture for these girls and for the staff that got to travel. 
What were some of your takeaways from the trip and maybe just talking to the girls, maybe their thoughts on, on what they enjoyed? Well, it was amazing for me personally, and I was so blessed to be able to take my daughter and my wife. And and uh, and I think our players saw the same thing is like, I, you don't know how spoiled you are until you go to a third world country. And, and the things that are on your mind that you're worrying about every day are a totally different set of things than, than the, the people in this culture are worrying about. And I think it, it, there's a little reality that sets in like what's really important here and where do I spend my time worrying and thinking? And it really grounds you. And uh, the, watching our players to be able to interact with these kids and these families and myself and my daughter, my wife being able to do that, uh, it's, it's a really, it's a really neat opportunity and I would love to be able to do it every year because <laughs> I really think our kids came back changed and I know I did, I came back changed. And, uh, I think, I think opportunities to do that, uh, some other things we do as a team, um, we were able to go, uh, into different settings and, and just seeing people that have, they don't have what we have, you know, and or they're disabled and, and are differently abled. And to be to be able to see a different part of society and to realize, man, I am blessed. And and uh, when you have that feeling and you really you feel that it makes you respond differently to everyone else. Uh, and, and that that's that was a great opportunity for us. I love that trip. And I like we work with the Miracle League every year, uh, which is an amazing opportunity uh, I see a lot of our players are able to work with the the special needs prom here that's on campus, which I think is one of the neatest things I've ever seen. And just those opportunities to to, to serve uh, someone that's not um, they may be, may be blessed in different ways than you are, but not from a materialistic standpoint, and and uh, and sometimes a physical standpoint. And to be able to serve that community and see that part it makes you different. It changes you and it, and it becomes not about you. And that that's what we're trying to create. And that was a special trip and something I hope we can continue to do. Definitely a humbling experience. And even just observing it and being a part of the trip, you're right. Not only is it, it puts you into perspective. And I sort of think that's what, you know, unfortunately there's been lives lost, but I think this COVID-19 uh, pandemic has allowed us all to hit the reset button a little bit. And you know, just make us think about how we're approaching life and what truly is important. Did, did you, uh, from a basketball standpoint, I know it's a little different, but did, did you get a chance maybe just to reflect on how you were operating as, as a staff or maybe just how you were doing things in life and, and even reevaluate some things just from that perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, well, with my family and my staff in general, like it's easy, it's very easy to take your health for granted. And, and, uh, and and that's something that this has definitely been a uh, a wake up call that that it can be taken from you like that and and uh, I think that that's been a big thing for for everyone uh, and and also your livelihood to see to see people we, we, I've been blessed that that I've been able to maintain my job through this but to see families that have been everything was great and all of a sudden you don't have a job and the impact that has. And, 
you know, it, it brings back some things in life, you know, that are, are way, way important, your family, your health and your livelihood and ability to make money and, uh, to make a living to support your family. And, and so I think, I think it's, it's helped all of us take a real step back and look at that and, and say, Hey, this is way important. And not only is it important, I need to make sure I'm making great steps for the, my health and the health of my family and those I'm around. And uh, we're at a time now where some people aren't taking that as serious as others. And, and uh, but I can guarantee you that, that our team and our athletic department is taking it very serious. And the last thing I would want to do is put our players or our coaches or anyone and uh, put their health in jeopardy. And, and finding that fine line, uh, it, it's also tough when you see some other teams out there practicing and playing and you're not back yet on campus. It's very difficult because the competitive side comes out at you and says, hey, we got to get going here. But we, we, but through this pandemic and through this time that we've had, uh, we're, we're going to take our time and make sure we're doing what's best for our athletes. And just like I said earlier, I'm not going to ask my athletes to do anything that either myself or my family or our kids, I wouldn't ask them to do or put them in harm's way by any means. So it has definitely been a wake up call. If you don't mind me asking, and I'm not sure how you know deep the wound is here recently, but going back to the last Big South tournament, um, so much excitement and, and just kind of the energy of winning the regular season and gearing up for that moment that you and his staff had worked, gosh, 12 months to get to that point. How did how did you as a, as a coach talk to your players? You know, we were at shoot around that morning, getting ready for the game, and that's sort of when everything all unfolded, and they you know took the kids off the court and essentially uh, stop sports for this extended period. And Yeah, well, in the immediate aftermath of getting taken off the court and the, the, the game getting canceled, I mean, the tournament getting canceled, it was, it was really, a, <laughs> it was kind of shocking. And you're, you're kind of there. And, and I did have a chance to talk to our players, but, you know, there wasn't an understanding of what was happening at that point. The, the assistant commissioner came in and said, hey, you guys will be the representative in the NCAA tournament. So at that time, there was still hope that we were going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so it wasn't quite as final. Uh, and, and we hoped it would not be final. And then the next day, it kind of becomes final and they all have to go home. So I didn't get to meet with our players in person again after that that meeting on the last day. Uh, but then it, then we were able to meet by zoom and, and we talked about some things and, you know, I, obviously it was a tough, it was a tough thing for our team and our coaching staff to take. Uh, but I, I really chose to look at the positive side of it. I, I saw spring sports across the way that they, they lost their whole season. And, uh, you know, I, I just prefer to look at the positive side. We were blessed to have a whole season. And in that season, we 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 won a championship and hung a banner, uh, first one that's been hung, I guess, this century for women's basketball in in, in our arena, and and that was an amazing thing that we were able to accomplish. And we really try to just choose to look at the pauses rather than than complain because we didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament. And uh, then the other side of that is you the 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 health the pandemic, you see people dying. Okay. And when you really weigh that with the chance that we didn't get to go to a tournament, 
it really seems selfish. And, and I, I still had feelings and I hated it. And I know our kids hated it, but at the same time, uh, reality kind of sets in what, what's the most important thing right now. And it's probably not playing a basketball game. It's making sure that we remain healthy and, and, uh, that we see the impact it's having on others around us. So it was tough, but at the same time, we chose to look at the positives and there were so many positives to look at that it, I, I didn't have a bad taste in my mouth. I'm, I'm still have a lot of excitement from last season. I hate we didn't get to play in a tournament, but I loved what we accomplished. The journey was amazing. And, uh, we're able to win a, a championship on our home court. Uh, we were able to secure it on our home court and it was a great feeling. So I choose to look at the positives, Evan. Yeah, certainly a, a, an awesome high, and, and you're right, a, a first championship in 20-plus in years, and there, there was just so much going well, and, and you're right, it kind of counters with, well, then real life hits, and it, you have to kind of balance that. So I, I was just curious your perspective because it, it it definitely changes. Ronnie, something that's unique about your role in this conference is you're now sort of the the most veteran coach in the league, not only with the Campbell and PC runs, but just in terms of total years, and and part of that has allowed you to really become a, a, a leader in these coaches' meetings and in uh, these conversations with the conference. And a big part of that was a couple of years ago electing to move the tournament um, to Charlotte moving forward. I know that might be a little different next year, but having a conference tournament back at one centralized site, and I know it was down at Myrtle Beach for all those years uh, about a decade ago, but hey, I'm just curious what's it like when all the women's basketball coaches in the Big South get together and and try to find the best way to optimize their tournament or even decisions like that uh, across the board. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting point you bring up there, Evan. Uh, and, and uh, you know, when I sit in, when I sit in a, a coach's meeting now, I'm the only coach around the table uh, when I started on the women's side in the Big South. I, there's not another coach from any school that's left except me. So it, it, it does feel, it does feel a little strange and, and, uh, uh, the years are definitely clicking off. Um, but I, the conference has been amazing. I, I really enjoy it. And, and, uh, uh, I've enjoyed that. And I have taken on a little more of a leadership role in, in, in meetings and with our, our coaches, uh, just from a standpoint of the experience factor. And, uh, the, the one consistent thing has been Kyle throughout the time. And, I do have a good relationship with Kyle, the commissioner, and, and uh, I kind of understand some where he's coming from on different things, and maybe that helps me have a little uh, more input into what's happening. But, um, you know, seeing the conference develop on the women's basketball side, I think the competition now is, is so much better than it was when we first came in, and, and uh, the parity has been amazing uh, last year I thought it was the best parity that we've ever had in the league in my time. And, uh, you see other schools that are stepping up that have tremendous programs. There's great coaches in our league. And, and I, I really enjoy being a part of the league. Um, as far as, uh, as far as the tournament goes, I was, to be honest, I was really excited about the pod format and, and I was really excited about hosting the tournament uh, at Campbell and, and uh, I like the idea of earning that right to do that. I personally like that. And I like, I like the atmospheres that you get at a home site for a championship game. We, we experienced that a couple years ago at Radford. I thought it was a great atmosphere. 
So I'm a little bit, it's not that I'm against going to one site. Uh, I, I look forward to having all teams at one site, but I am interested to see how it goes in the championship game and attendance and hope we're playing in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I, I'm excited just to be a part of it. Uh, I would have probably liked to seen the home sites and the pods last a little longer just to see how it worked. I thought it was something that was a little different than others were doing. I thought it could be a real positive, uh, but, uh, but we are looking to get together, looking forward to getting back together, all the teams in Charlotte, that'll be neat. It will be neat to be with the guys to be able to watch them in the tournament. That's the one thing I do like, uh, when you're at the same site, usually you can find time to go watch your men in the tournament as well. No, you're right. It definitely is that you're rewarding a, a good team. You know, if you're a Campbell or a Radford of years past to host it, and there's also the pluses and minuses of it. So, I, you know, as always, there's different ways of thinking about it. Um, Ronnie, I want to ask you about um, just not rivalry. I don't know if that's the right word, but the, the competitive nature you have with, with some of the longest tenured coaches uh, on the women's side. And Mike McGuire is certainly someone that stands out at Radford for what he's been able to do. And, you know, up until this year with Brenda uh, stepping down at, at Asheville, but her uh, recent run of a couple of championships and, and having that dominance at Asheville and What's it been like with you competing with, with those two and many others in this league just from a, a head coach, which is not the case, but, you know, a head coach versus a head coach and your relationship with those guys? Yeah, it's it's uh, it has been neat. And, and Brenda and Mike are, are have been in the league longer than anyone else besides me. Uh, obviously, Brenda just stepped down, but but obviously we had a good relationship, too. They're really great friends of mine. And Kerry Green is another one. And, 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 uh, we, I battled them for years and they're tremendous coaches that do a great job. There's no doubt that they've made me better and, uh, uh, they're difficult to beat. They've, they've, they've had great programs and, and when you, when you win that game against them, you know, you've done something and, uh, I, I've enjoyed the competition. I really hated to see Liberty leave the league, to be honest, because of the job that Kerry had done. And uh, I think he was the coach of the decade. I'm sure that was a unanimous vote because he, he was been amazing at what he's done there. And you like as a coach playing against that person, it makes you better. And you remember the wins you get against him. So uh, Mike's done a great job at Radford and, and uh, being able to beat them on their home court this year was a big, it was a big thing for our team. And uh, hopefully we can continue that and continue to compete with those guys and, and, uh, but there are so many good coaches in our league now, um, top to bottom. It's the best that it's been since I've been here. And, and there's some new coaches that are <laughs> – sometimes I hate seeing a new coach come in every year because you see that passion that they have and that desire that they have. And, and it seems like we've had a lot in the last few years, and their programs have gotten better. That's why our league's gotten better. I'm going to ask you a couple rapid-fire fun ones here now just to kind of change the tone. But – uh, Ronnie, as we know, this team has has been known on the road after wins to to get kind of victory milkshakes. Uh, what what flavor of shake do you go with, and and do you have a moment that kind of stands out in that experience? Uh, I go with banana. I go with banana, and uh, I, I guess the thing that sticks out is is the first couple times during the year we'll be in a game, we'll be in a locker room after a win, and we're getting together and we're we're excited and and then somebody yells out cookout you know and everybody goes crazy because they know we're going to get a get a shake so uh that's a great experience and uh i hope we can continue to get some ice cream on the road it's been fun 
Oh, I agree with you 100% on that one. What do you prefer, running on the treadmill or running around your neighborhood uh, for a morning workout? I prefer running on the track because I love the surface, and I, it really helps my knees. So I, I like running on the track, and it's been hurting me this, this summer with COVID with this being closed. Uh, my knees are taking a beating when I run on the road, but uh, I prefer the track. What uh, game, because I know you've played a couple of them, are you a pool sharky or a ping pong uh, player? Much better at pool than ping pong. My wife kicks my tail in ping pong, and I, I can't stand it, but I can get her in pool. Yeah, I remember the Dominican, you had a, a, a very, I want to say a below 500 <laughs> record, but, I, you know, no one's Everybody track. beat me. Everybody beat me. Everybody <laughs> wanted in line to play me. Oh, gosh. Um, what has been – the most unique or your favorite uh, road trip that you've ever done in, in your coaching career? I would say uh, right off, we talked about going to the Dominican Republic and I've done that twice now. And by far that's the most rewarding experience of any road trip I've had. And I, I've been on some great ones. Now we've been to Hawaii a couple of times and uh, been to England, uh, but that the service trip and the, and the, the Dominican was definitely the best. Uh, my final one for you, what's the fastest you've ever taken your suit jacket off uh, during a game? This is something that people can keep an eye on throughout the year. I don't know, Evan. It, it, it probably came off before the – I don't know that it's ever come up for the first dead ball, but possibly after the first dead ball, the first whistle that was blown, it was a bad whistle. I could see it coming off. I, I've been told by uh, both Kiana Allen and Casey that sometimes they're the target uh, of your suit jacket. I just want to remind you that there are people behind you that, that sit there and might get whacked. Hey, there there were multiple games this year, Evan, where my jacket didn't come off the whole game. The whole game. You can look back. So I'm getting better about that. No, absolutely. Um, I do want to ask you one final fun one. Um, there was a game at Upstate this year. We we won in double overtime. It had so much drama back and forth. Uh, I think Luana Serrano may have saved the game by keeping you uh, on the side of the bench. I know you were you had a question about a call, and you actually had the the right argument with it. Hey, have you ever had a player kind of remind you, "Hey, coach, stay in your box"? I know the the, the referees do it all the time. Yeah, I have. I've had assistant coaches and players say, "Hey, coach, it's all right." And, and I do pride myself in Evan of knowing how far I can push without getting technical. And I have gotten several technicals in my career, but I haven't gotten many where I didn't mean to get them. And uh, so, but I, although I will say I've got a few and I have had players say, Hey coach, coach, you know, they, they, they understand that two points and how important that is. So, no doubt. There's uh, yeah, I, the way you were able to, I don't want to manipulate. not the right word, but the way you're able to walk that fine line of, you know, getting in a ref's face, but also kind of being supportive, but also challenging a ref. It's something I, I find fascinating, just what a head coach can do. Well, I try, I try to know where that line is. And, and, uh, you, you know, there are times where I feel like as a coach, you need to stand up for your kids. And uh, we work extremely, extremely hard. And uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like, uh, you, you want a good game called, you want a fair game called. And if I don't think that's happening, then I'll, I'll let myself, I, I will let the official know that, but try to walk that line because I, I, it kills me to give two points to the other team or two points in the ball that the rule is now. So we're definitely, we're going to try to keep that from happening. 
Well, Ronnie, we uh, we appreciate the time. Uh, can't wait to see you out in the suit jacket again on the court. We'll, we'll see how quickly you maybe throw it at me because that'll probably be the next target <laughs> in a few few months. Yeah, I don't think I can get it all the way across the, the court there, Evan, but I, <laughs> I may try it. We, uh, we appreciate the time. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Thank you, Evan. Appreciate it. 